Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the WMUA Sports Football Show. My name is Jesse Kowadkin. Solo today, Kyle Miller driving back up to, I believe, eastern Massachusetts. Everyone's a little busy. Would have had him on otherwise. Because we just had a game, folks. For those of you who missed it, UMass took on Marshall in the Thundering Herd. It was a tough loss for the Minutemen. 51-10 was the final score. The Herd took that one, which I don't think was a huge surprise to anybody. They were the 16th ranked team in the country for a reason, and they certainly showed that on Saturday. It was a fun game to call. Glad that we could do that, even though it was remote. Kyle Miller was on for his first broadcast. Shout out to him. He did very well. Proud of him. Hopefully we get him on for more and in the future when, when I'm gone and Cam Subbert for basketball is gone. Need some young guys to take over. It was good being back in the booth and doing these broadcasts. A few more games left in the season. Can't wait for them. Make sure to tune in. WMA Amherst 91.1 FM. You can go to WMUA.org and hit the Listen Live link to follow us along. Follow us on Twitter to make sure you know when we're going to be broadcasting the games. If you don't have ESPN Plus or the like. Uh, make sure to tune in soon because in a couple of weeks, I believe, basketball, uh, men's and women's and hockey is going to start up again, and we will definitely be covering that. I won't be doing as much with that, but uh, WMUA Sports will. So if you're looking forward to some non-UMass football coverage, definitely check in with them. But talking about UMass versus Marshall, on Saturday, despite the score, if you're a Minutemen fan, you have to be excited about this game. Because, and, and I'm saying this as somebody who has covered games for the team since I was a freshman, I covered every single, excuse me, I covered every single home game last year. I went to the Rutgers game uh, last year, Walt Bell's first season. This was, without a shadow of a doubt, the best coached game I've seen out of Wapel. It was a game where you could honestly say UMass got beat. There were a lot of games last year where UMass lost. And there's a difference between getting beat and, and losing. Getting beat means the other guy was better than you. You did everything you could and the other guy was better. Losing means you had stupid penalties. You had stupid mistakes. The coaches didn't put their players in the position to win. They called bad plays. That was not the case. The coaches did everything they could. The players did everything they could. And the Marshall was simply a much better team. And you could see that. And that was the expectation. And they went out They went out and they proved it. There's a reason they're 6-0. and There's a reason they're probably going to be a top 15 team uh, in the next AP poll. But the fact that the Minutemen kept it close in the first quarter and a half, I think should be a, a shining example to everybody that this is very much a team with with a mission, with a goal. There is a larger plan here. Walt Bell is not just saying these coaching superlatives, you know, got to get bigger, got to get stronger, got to develop, got to recruit, that every other coach says. There is something to, there is a method to the madness at work. Uh, he started true freshman Will Koch, who I think played very well for a true freshman, having no... Real off season, you know, training camp, 
in his first career collegiate start. Josiah Johnson didn't even get the nod. He went straight to Will Coke, who was 12 of 18 for 99 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Ah, I really liked what I saw out of Will Coke. There were some obvious rookie mistakes. You know, um, got to get rid of the ball when the bliss is coming in. Got to know when to take the sack. Got to know when to tuck it and run. But I think he showed a lot of poise, a lot of confidence in his throws. Uh, he definitely knew how to deliver the ball. I was very impressed by Will Coke. And the way the offense was run was in- incredibly inspiring because, you know, Bell talked about wanting to be this big physical run team last uh, game three weeks ago. <laughs> I wanted to say last week. It was last game. That was three weeks ago against the Georgia Southern Eagles. They could not get the run game going for anything. And they they tried to do it much to their off, much to the detriment of their offense. And this game, they understood that they knew that, and they threw the ball early and often. They they had two incredible trick plays, uh, one by Jared Cole, the running back, actually, and one by Will Coke. And it was great to see Bell just say, "All right, I understand what this season is about. We're playing four or five games. It, it, the wins and the losses don't matter." The wins and the losses don't matter. This is about team development. This is about seeing what players I have. I'm going to throw everything in the kitchen sink. And he did that, and that was that was really good to see. Um, you know, Ellis Merriweather had 10 carries for 31 yards. He had a couple of decent runs towards the end. Um, Jared Cole had 6 carries for 4 yards. Cameron Robertson had 2 for 2. You know, Overall, 21, 29 carries for 41 yards um, was the uh, the overall rushing for, the, for UMass. And that probably also reflects the fact that they let up more than a few sacks for for large yardage loss. Um, but it, I think it's a great indicator that this team is not afraid to throw the ball because you know against one of the best front sevens, Marshall might have the best front seven in the group of five, and they certainly have a top ten, top fifteen front seven in all of college football, and the offensive line and pass protection did their part. They absolutely did their part. Um, it wasn't sterling. It wasn't great by any means, but they uh, they often gave Coke time to throw, t- receivers to get open. This is a team that needs a lot of talent, that needs a lot of young guys to get better, that needs a lot of new guys, but there is certainly a silver lining when you look at this game. Uh, I think if you're a Minutemen fan, you you have to have some positive takeaways. They didn't get shut out like they did. And the fact that the fact that the Georgia Southern Eagles shut them out was a huge shocker because the Eagles' defense was good, but they weren't great. And the Herd have one, like I said, one of the best defenses in college football right now. Devontae Beckett's an NFL prospect. Darius Hodge is an NFL prospect. Kobe Cumberlander probably will get some NFL buzz. And they put up ten points on them in the first half. That that was great to see. Um, they got they they scored a touchdown on their second drive. There there's some definite positives to take away um, on, on the UMass side of things. For Marshall, I mean, it was more of the same. You know, Grant Wells continue, uh, continues his sterling freshman season. They have a fret. You know, it's a senior, junior, redshirt junior and senior uh, veteran unit for Marshall. But Wells is a freshman, and he's the starting quarterback. And you see why. He was 21 for 32, 228 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. 
Brendan Knox, who is just an absolute stud at running back, 14 carries, 118 yards, two touchdowns. Every time he touched the ball was offense. He gashed the Minutemen, and you can see why. I think tackling definitely needs to be an area of concern and an area to address for this team because he broke tackles everywhere, every time. You know, and the Marshall offensive line is one of the best units in football, or in college football. Don't get me wrong. And they got him to the second level. This they got him to the second level so often on runs, but he just did not go down after contact. Uh, and that was that's definitely something that the UMass defensive coaches are going to need to going to need to address moving forward. I think defensively for UMass, we definitely saw some great play out of Josh Wallace and Noah Boykin. Penalties were huge. Penalties were huge for the Minutemen defensively because there was probably three or four times when it was third and 10, third and eight, third and 13 for Marshall, and they'd throw it deep, and a UMass DB would get called for PI or holding. And most of the calls were close. A couple were obvious, but most of the calls were close. But they clean up those, and Marshall, you probably take at least 10, 17 points off the board, legitimately. UMass, and and this is what I'm saying too, where you look at a team that's really, really good versus a team that just isn't there yet, UMass was in a position to win. And... They are not yet a good enough team to win when the calls don't go their way. Especially against a dominant opponent like the Herd. But the fact that they they were almost there, that close, is really, really great progress. Artie Henry had five catches for 71 yards. Uh, he was only their second or third receiver on the team, but he, he absolutely had some great big plays. Xavier Gaines is their tight end. He had seven catches for 66 yards and, a, and two touchdowns. He was a freak. He was an absolute freak. He he looks like an oversized wide receiver, kind of O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram-esque. I mean, he really does not look like you're like a blocker, but he, he just was fast, and he got open in the end zone. He had the most incredible Odell Beckham Jr.-esque catch in the end zone uh, in the late in the third. It was it was really a spectacular play by him, just outstretching his. I think, it was, I think it was his left hand, just to one hand the ball. Uh, he he is certainly a player to watch. If you're a Marshall fan, if you're a college football fan, I would not be surprised if uh, he gets some NFL looks. Maybe they move him to kind of to that oversized receiver role. Um, but uh, yeah, he he was great. Corey Gamage had a decent game, three for forty-one and a score. Those were the uh, the main weapons. Marshall in the passing game. Taylor Edwards had one nice play for the Minutemen, one for 37. Samuel Emelis had a couple of nice catches. He had six catches for 29 yards and a score. Uh, it was a great play on his score. He came in motion. They were they were like the two-yard line, and uh, they had two receivers to the right, the Minutemen did, and uh, Coke was on the shotgun, I believe, with the back next to him, and he had Emelis move from the left side in motion. And just went across the formation, caught Marshall in man coverage. So, you know, his uh, the cornerback covering him just got caught up in the middle of the field, tossed it right to Emelis um, in, in, a, in a moving pocket. And great play design just to get Emelis open, who, who's become not necessarily a, uh, what's the right word? 
he's not kind of that big dynamo receiver, but steady, consistent chain mover, has enough speed to beat you over the top. Great, nice receiver for the Minutemen. Um, O.C. Johnson didn't have quite the day that I think uh, I think the coaching staff was hoping for. He and Coke just seemed a little out of sync. Uh, Marshall definitely knew who he was, and they knew that he, he O.C. Johnson is a burner. You know, he he's not gonna he's not the guy to beat you on uh, curl routes and comebacks. He's gonna beat you over the top, and and Marshall knew that. They did their best to take him away, which often is was what happened. Um, and and I think he and Coke probably have to work on their chemistry. But if they can get, if they can get it together, that'll be a, that'll definitely be a, a scary combination for defenses to face because he is the speed to beat anybody deep. Um, but I, you know, 17 total receptions for the team and nine guys caught passes, including Josiah Johnson, who I think Josiah Johnson is probably going to get most of his playing time from here on out at tight end. You know, they, they looked at him at quarterback in the first game against Georgia Southern. They decided they liked more of what Will Coke was going to do. Will Coke has more time uh, as an eligible player anyway, and I think they're going to s- switch Johnson back to tight end. You know, last year, Bell called him the best the best athlete on the team. This year, he's probably still top five, and Bell said as much in post-game press conference, and J- Johnson had two catches for 31 yards. I mean... He's a, he's a freak athlete, and I think you know they know they need to use him, even if he's if it's not a quarterback. So, it uh, it makes sense, um, the, the way that they did that. I'm gonna take a little short break here, folks. Hope you don't mind. Make sure to keep it locked. WMA Amherst 91.1 FM. This is WMA Sports, the football show. Jesse Kolodkin here, but uh, keep it locked. Stay tuned, and uh, we'll be right back with some more UMass football. We'll finish up with UMass, and then we'll talk some college football. Hot Table Panini, located on Route 9 in Hadley, is just a few miles away from the UMass campus. Hot Table specializes in a variety of grilled panini sandwiches and also offers a selection of soups and salads. For over a decade, Hot Table has been serving paninis for customers all across the Pioneer Valley. Customers can order in-store or by using the Hot Table app to order for delivery. Their menu, store locations, and phone number can be found at hottable.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. WMA Sports here. This is the football show. My name is Jesse Kolodkin, running solo today. Hopefully, y'all are doing well on this Monday, staying safe, staying healthy. Finish up here on UMass versus Marshall thoughts. Um, Like I said before, if you're a UMass fan, you have to be. Have to be excited about this one. I think this was certainly the best coach game of Walpell's career. Despite the score, they lost 51 to 10 against the Thundering Herd. Uh, this was this was David versus Goliath. This was a Marshall team loaded with talent, loaded with veteran talent against a UMass team. Their best players are all freshmen or sophomores that needs at least two or three more recruiting classes to really get competitive. But they played their butts off the, the whole game. Um, and I think you absolutely have to give them credit for that. They, they played hard. They coached hard. There are a lot of positives to take away despite the the final score. Um, next, or excuse me, not next week, in two weeks, uh, they'll play against Florida Atlantic University and the Owls who actually just lost to Thundering Herd two weeks ago. Um, 20 to 9 was that score. So 
it'll certainly that'll certainly be an interesting game. It will be the Minutemen's final game against an unranked opponent because uh, everyone else they'll play is ranked. Marshall was ranked. Florida Atlantic isn't, and then they'll finish the season with Liberty, who is currently ranked 22nd. So uh, I'm sure the Minutemen will appreciate not having to play a ranked team. And Georgia Southern isn't ranked, but when UMass played them, they received votes to be ranked. So that probably uh, not as surprising with the way that game ended. And now the rumor mill says that BYU wants to add uh, UMass to their schedule as they try and shape up to make it into the uh their their run at the college football playoffs potentially and talk more about the college football playoffs in a second BYU is currently ranked eighth overall so that would certainly be a an ugly game but I think it'd be a very interesting game for this Minutemen team you're talking about experience experience is key and it's the best teacher and they're certainly getting a, a crash course you know, getting tossed into the deep end of the pool and flail around until you can until you can swim. That that's kind of how the season is going. Which you know, it's the best way to learn. It's the best way to get better. You you know, if you play teams worse than you, you're not going to get better. You play teams way better than you, you're going to start figuring things out. You're going to get better. So, um, but yeah, I, I'll finish up on on the Minutemen there. Move on to college football. It was an interesting week. Had some cool games. Miami, Florida. Knocked out NC State 44-41. NC State lost a quarterback. No real surprise there. Liberty beat Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech was a, I think, two-touchdown favorite, even though they were unranked and Liberty was 25. Liberty beat them 38-35. Bit of a shootout there, and they move up three spots to be 22nd overall. They were 25 overall. Talked about BYU a second ago. They dominated Boise State, who was ranked 21. Boise State is now unranked. BYU 51-17 was that when Northwestern beat Nebraska as Big Ten play is in its third or so week. 21-13 was the score. Northwestern's now ranked 23rd overall. Uh, Indiana, almost nine, number nine Indiana, 38-21. They're now ranked 10th overall. They beat Michigan, who just does not look like a very good team this year. So there is that. Cincinnati, who is... My pick, I want Cincinnati's number seven. It's a ripoff. They should be higher. But Cincinnati beat Houston 38-10. I want the Bearcats in the final four. I'm telling you, folks. I want the Bearcats in the final four. Get Florida out of there. Get everyone else out of there. I want I want, I want, want to see a G5 team in the final four. 38-10, they beat Houston. Give it to the Bearcats. They've deserved, they've deserved it. They've earned it. Everything. Uh, Florida, not the socks off Georgia who dropped seven spots, uh, 44-28. The Gators chomped down on the Bulldogs, who sorely missed Stetson Bennett. Uh, the quarterback did not play so hot. I believe that was uh, Dwayne Mathis. I think Stetson Bennett got hurt in that game. And Dewan Mathis, 4-13 for a touchdown and two picks. He was just off the whole night. Just could not find his receivers, who were open. Just missed them. Uh, Iowa State... Uh, won a shootout against Baylor, 38-31. Stanford beat Oregon, 35-14. Big win for the uh, for the Ducks as Pac-12 play begins now. 49-27 was the victory for Ohio State over Rutgers. But despite the score, 
it was one hell of a game. And if you're a Scarlet Knights fan, you should definitely be excited. Because Greg Schiano is back and he's coaching the nuts and bolts off this team. I mean, I'm from New Jersey. I'm not a Rutgers fan like growing up, but I'd like them to do well because I'm from New Jersey. And seeing how much fight this team has just with one coach, or sorry, one head coaching change, absolutely absurd. I mean, he has made this team competitive at every level. Um, and... You know, Ohio State took a huge early lead, and Rutgers started chipping away at the end there. Did way better in the second half, and, and Ohio State had to play their starters far longer than they would have expected to. So, credit to Greg Schiano um, and and Rutgers. You know, I, I'm very excited to see what they can do with a couple years uh, in recruiting and developing players under their belt. But, of course, the big game, what might be one of the best games we see this season Number one, Clemson took on number four, Notre Dame and the Fighting Irish. And in a nail-biter overtime finish, the Irish won 47-40 to over the Tigers. DJ Golele in his second career start, 29-44, 439 pass yards, two touchdowns. Third, uh, he had one touchdown on the ground as well. Uh, but not quite enough to beat a veteran, very experienced Notre Dame team that came in knowing exactly who they were, exactly what they wanted to do. Clemson had more losses than Trevor Lawrence. Clemson had some losses on the defense, on the offensive side of things. Cornell Powell, talk about him and Amari Rogers for the Clemson receivers. They combined for 14 catches and 295 yards and a score. That's Unreal, they torched a very good Notre Dame secondary. But the Irish took it out. Kyron Williams killed it on the ground on the on the second play from scrimmage. He had a 70-yard rip, or was it 65? Whatever it was, for a score. 23-140 and three scores was what he did on the ground. Javon McKinley, five catches, 102 yards in the air. Ian Book had a very nice, efficient day. I think he'll be an interesting... Uh, quarterback come the draft. I don't think anyone thinks he's a top three, top four candidate, but he is certainly a day two prospect. But this, folks, this game is why we need realignment. I know that's uh, that might not be what a lot of you thought I was going to say, but this game is the epitome of the difference between Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State and everybody else in college football. Notre Dame is without question a blue blood program. They're one of the oldest, most respected, best, most dominant programs in this country. Certainly top five, at, at, you know, at worst top ten. And it took the Clemson Tigers losing a couple of their big players on defense and, the, and their starting quarterback to nearly lose, or sorry, nearly win over the Irish, who are number four in the country. Like, think about that for a second. The number four team in the country who will get four and five star recruits, one of the best longstanding programs. It took their opponent to lose the best player in the country, their starting quarterback, and a couple of key players on defense for them to have a chance to win in overtime. That's the difference between them and everybody else. It's Clemson and Bama and Ohio State, and everybody else is second. Notre Dame. LSU, 
Michigan, Georgia. It doesn't matter. All they're they they're not second fiddle. They're fifth fiddle, and nobody else is even in the orchestra. They're just trying to get in the door. It, it truly is astounding how much better those three programs are than everybody else in college football. This is why you need, if not realignment, at least expansion of the college football playoffs because you need to give other teams chances to do something. I know I'm, I'm a little out here when I say I want 12 teams in the playoffs. I know a lot of people are saying six or eight or something. But you need to give other teams notoriety. You need to give them time to at least show that they have something uh, to, to offer. Because, you know, it's airtime. It's money. Yeah, the more money you have in your program, the better players you can get, the better facilities you can get, the better coaches you can get. Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson have the money. They have the players. They have the TV time. It, you know, Clemson is essentially an SEC school in the ACC. It's really what they are. And no one else can compare to those three. It's the reason why they've essentially been in every single college football playoff. Oklahoma really shouldn't have been there. They just kind of got in there by default last year, and they got you know, crushed, which is, I don't think, a shock to anybody. But uh, I, I, this is why you need something to change, because the fact of the matter is, it's those three teams, one other, maybe Notre Dame, maybe Oklahoma, maybe Georgia once in a while, or LSU, who are all still, once again, blue blood, top 10 ever programs. Maybe Texas will get good eventually. And nobody else matters. Nobody else matters. And I, for those of you who don't know, that my, my idea is there are uh, 10 conferences. So you take the conference winner from every, every conference, and then you take the best independent team, so the independent team with the best record, and you take the best runner-up in a conference. So you're kind of rewarding conferences, but that's how it works. So... SEC champion, Big Ten champion, so on and so forth. Best independent team that's generally Notre Dame, and then the best number two in a conference. You know, maybe it'd be Georgia, maybe it would be, um, uh, you know, Utah last year, something like that. And you seed them up, so you know, rank them, and then you do the same playoffs as the NFL does. And then that way, it's more playoffs, so it's more money for the NCAA and FBS. And it gives every team a legitimate shot. It gives every team a time to shine. So when uh, UCF has an amazing season, they don't get screwed. When Cincinnati right now, who probably is going to be better than some of the teams that are ranked ahead of them, they're not going to get screwed out of being in the playoffs. Uh, give everybody a shot. Give And let's see how wide the talent gap really is. And it probably is pretty wide. But it, it might also not be that wide. Because what also happens, right is teams might lose once to avoid a conference game. Like last season, um, or sorry, no, I mean, look at this season. Clemson and Notre Dame are in the same division in the ACC. So, you know, you can say, well, Clemson lost now, which means they're not going to make it to the ACC, you know, conference championship, which means they're probably not going to lose again this year. So it, it makes, you know, their whole schedule way easier because you know now they don't have to worry about losing in the conference game and missing out on the playoffs because I don't think anybody is expecting Clemson to lose another game especially if Trevor Lawrence comes back next week but that's just me that's just me um 
I think I'm going to end it up there, folks. I hope you all enjoy this. Play, uh, play one more ad for you guys. Or not ad, a little PSA. Got a shout-out Delivery Express because they've been helping us out, getting money for some of the equipment we need, needs replacing, and they've been doing a great job helping us out with that. Big appreciation for them. But uh, stay tuned. Keep it locked here on WMA Amherst. I'm Jesse Kolodkin for the football show. Once again, in a couple weeks, Florida Atlantic is where UMass will be playing. Make sure to tune in for that game. But uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. Take it easy. For more than 25 years, residents in the five college area have been getting food brought to their door by Delivery Express. Customers can order from over 85 Pioneer Valley restaurant locations. Almost every local spot in downtown Amherst is available to eat without having to leave your own home using Delivery Express. Online orders can be placed at DeliveryExpress.com. Phone orders are available through their iOS app or by calling 413-549-0077.